From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Scott Bennett, formerly of the U.S. Army 11th Psychological Operations Battalion, is standing by, and we'll get to him in a few moments. Scott attempted to, uh, well, not attempted, he blew the whistle by contacting the uh, commercially controlled media and writing to U.S. politicians after being sacked from his job as a terrorist finance investigator after he proved to be a little too zealous at his job. First, let me introduce the boys in the band on the other side of the glass on the Flying V Gibson guitar. Ian Robertson, my technical producer, here in studio with me on the Rickenbacker bass guitar and the theremin, Albert Vinzel, my story producer and occasional remote viewer. Normally, at this time, we do What's in the Box, uh, where we ask Albert to utilize his uh, remote viewing skills to transcend space and time and identify what is contained in our humidor. But I thought we'd give it a rest. A, I forgot the humidor. <laughs> and uh, secondly, perhaps more importantly, Albert has been struggling a little bit of late. And uh, he's wearing many hats here in studio. He's running our Hangout on Air. He's the story producer. And then I ask him to be a remote viewer every night for about five minutes. And struggling, I think, is um, an apt description. I think you're 0 for 4 in the last little while. So we're going to give it a week or two. And, uh, Albert, you can rededicate yourself to the uh, the protocols of remote viewing. And we'll pick it up again. Maybe we'll wait, I'm thinking, until uh, early in the new year which is fast approaching, 2017, 2017. Because I know some of uh, you people like to, to play along at home and uh, send in your answers on uh, uh, to my uh, Twitter feed, but we'll get back to uh, what's in the box a little bit later. Uh, a programming note, next week on the program, Toronto-area author-researcher Mike Sovey will be here to discuss the legend of John Teeter. Do you remember the Teeter legend? Uh, it, it involves this mysterious individual who started posting comments in forums back in the early 2000s. These are the early days of the Internet. And claimed he was a time traveler from the year 2036. And he had traveled back to the year 1975 to collect some antiquated but necessary computer from an IBM that his grandfather had, I believe. Uh, This was a computer part that was needed in the future. Uh, Then he stopped off on his way back to 2036 in the year 2000. That's when he started posting, and the story was picked up by Art Bell on Coast to Coast and later George Norrie, my good colleague at Coast. And uh, the interesting thing was Teeter had made a number of predictions about the future that actually came true and then some others that did not. Uh, Fascinating legend. Uh, So Mike Sovey will be here to discuss uh, this, and uh, he has some theories as to who John Teeter may have been assuming that he wasn't uh, a time traveler. Uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, our paranormal investigator, will also be here to discuss her new book, uh, which she's co-authored with John Zappas. Those of you who are fans of the uh, sci-fi channel TV show The Haunted Collector, John Zappas. It's called Demon Haunted, True Stories from the John Zappas Vault. That's uh, next week. All right, let's get to our main entree. A whistleblowing report was submitted to the U.S. Congress detailing the connection between the CIA, U.S. Department of Justice, and the UBS Switzerland, this is the Union Bank in Switzerland, to the Al-Qaeda and ISIS terror networks. And this report was submitted back in uh, May, I believe, of 2013. 
Uh, this report also contained intelligence reports which were available that could have prevented the Benghazi attack on uh, the U.S. Embassy, which led to, of course, the uh, horrendous rape, torture, murder of Ambassador Chris Stevens and um, other personnel there. Uh, but this report was buried. Uh, these are just some of the reasons why, uh, for example, Edward Snowden decided to release what he had learned directly to the public. The report was written by my guest. Scott Bennett is a U.S. Army Special Operations Officer, 11th Psychological Operations Battalion, Civil Affairs Psychological Operations Command, and a Global Psychological Warfare Counterterrorism Analyst, formerly with defense contractor Booz Allen Hamilton, which looms large in this story, as we'll discover. Now, I'll, I'll tell you that, that his bio is, is lengthy, but I'm going to read as much of it as I can. It's important to establish Scott's bona fides here. He, he received a direct commission as an officer, held a top-secret sensitive compartmentalized information security clearance, and worked in the highest levels of international counterterrorism in Washington, D.C., and MacDill Air Force Base in Tampa, Florida. He's developed and managed psychological warfare theories, products, and operations for U.S. Special Operations Command, U.S. Central Command, the State Department Coordinator for Counterterrorism, and other government agencies. He served in the George Walker Bush administration from 2003 to 2008 and was a social science research fellow at the Heritage Foundation. His writings and lectures seek to enhance global awareness and understanding of modern psychological warfare, the international military intelligence community, and global surveillance operations being artificially generated under the specter of national security. He's written extensively on the intelligence community's surveillance activities addressed by Edward Snowden's National Security Agency Central or CIA materials. And since 2010, he's filed numerous military government whistleblowing reports with congressional committees, including the Intelligence, the Armed Services, the Government Oversight and Reform, Homeland Security, the Judiciary, Foreign Affairs, the Banking and Terrorism Committees. He's communicated with over a 100 federal representatives, senators, senior military officers, and Pentagon officials and journalists about the scandalous abuse of power and deception being employed against the American people by its own military intelligence community and filed legal action against Booz Allen Hamilton and the Department of Defense for their involvement in secret Swiss bank terrorist finance operations, which he uncovered with the help of Union Bank of Switzerland whistleblower Brad Birkenfeld. His groundbreaking book is Shell Game, and uh, that is available uh, through Amazon. Scott Bennett, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Uh, it's wonderful to be with you. Thank you very much for having me. This is a, um, a, a long, a complex story, many players uh, involved, and we only have about 45 minutes. So let's, um, let's give, us, uh, give us a thumbnail sketch of what was contained in this whistleblowing report that you delivered to the United States Congress. Well, let me just first start out. Uh, Amazon's been taking down the book a lot, so the best place for people to get it is to go to lulu.com. That's L-U-L-U.com, and then type in Shell Game by Scott Bennett, and it'll bring it up. That's the publisher itself, so people can access it uh, by going www.lulu.com and then search Scott uh, Shell Game by Scott Bennett. And the, the book Shell Game really was the first whistleblowing report that, that I submitted with Brad Birkenfeld. Actually, on September 25th, 2012, that was the very first report that we sent up. 
And that was after uh, six months of my interrogation of Brad Birkenfeld as the Swiss banker who had come over from Switzerland and tried to give all of these terrorist financing bank accounts, some of which were controlled by Osama bin Laden's brother, uh, as well as Saudi Arabian royal family members, as well as, uh, you know, people from different parts of the Gulf nations, Qatar, Kuwait. One uh, significant person was Abdullah Aziz, who was directly tied with uh, various Saddam Hussein oil for food programs. And the, uh, there was a very intricate web of bad guys and their money. And that was my job at the military and at Booz Allen Hamilton. I was tracking the money, uh, tracking the bank accounts, tracking the, the uh, money laundering mechanisms, everything that bad guys, terrorists, were using to get paid, to get money, to get weapons, to get bullets, to get bombs, to use against U.S. troops and against our national interests. And I came into the military and I, I you know, came into the Bush, the, the Bush, Bush administration too to fix problems, to end the war, to go home to my crops, to settle these wars once and for all and to to enhance the military's capability to do war fighting by combining my professional experience, my writing, my background, my, my entire skill set. And I ran into, of course, the military industrial complex and the contractor world of Booz Allen Hamilton and suddenly realized they didn't want these wars to go away. They didn't want to end, end the, the stupidity of some of their operations with intelligent thinking and intelligent diplomacy and intelligent psychological warfare. And when I ran into that, I was quickly removed from my position. But there was a, a very cosmic or uh, miraculous turn of events in when they removed me from my job at U.S. Central Command. And my boss was Dove Zakheim. And Dove Zakheim, many of your listeners may know, was the comptroller at the Pentagon where $2.3 trillion went missing and were funneled towards uh, various Israeli expenditures. But Dove Zakheim was my boss, and he was the one who had removed me from my position because of my my uh, aggression and my outlandish, you know, my so you were doing creativity. Too good, you were doing too good a job, so they let you go. I think that's go. the way to say it. Yeah, that's the best way to say it. So the, the this these uh, these accounts that were uncovered in the uh, the UBS. This is the Union Bank of Switzerland. Yeah. Now. Yeah. How do you? I mean, these are numbered accounts, are they not? I mean, how do you trace they, these back? Yeah. To these, they are. They're uh, well. They're numbered accounts. And Brad Birkenfeld, how you know? It's it's such a vast story. I mean, you couldn't make it up. But when you begin to to really draw it out on a whiteboard, you see some fascinating connections. And and just to make it real easy and to make it a real short version, uh, Brad Birkenfeld had left Switzerland after the CIA had come after him to make him an, an economic espionage asset. Edward Snowden was part of that CIA operation at the time. The CIA had put Brad Birkenfeld into a compromising DUI position. Brad was in a Swiss jail. The CIA came, flashed the badge, got him out, and tried to turn him. He left Switzerland, flew over to the United States, went into the Department of Justice, and brought a briefcase full of documents. Now, the interesting thing was the Department of Justice kicked him out, didn't want anything to do with him, didn't let him tell his story. He had to go to the SEC, he went to the IRS, and then no one would talk to him until finally he went into the Senate. And that's where he disclosed this material to uh, Senator Carl Levin, Senator John McCain, Senator Barack Obama at the time, 
on the Senate Permanent Subcommittee of Investigations. Right after that, Brad was prosecuted for tax evasion or, or conspiracy to commit tax evasion, basically by betraying him, by using everything that he gave to the United States government, everything he told them, they betrayed him with and prosecuted it with him, and they threw him in prison. And that's where he met me, because the uh, powers that be in the Justice Department had come after me and thrown me into the, the same prison, if you will, the, the bus took a uh, U-turn in Oklahoma, and miraculously, I wound up in, in Pennsylvania, and that's where we came together. And we put our heads together. I said, this was my job. How did I find you here? I should have found you at a top-secret base. And he said, Scott, I was forbidden from talking. So whether the white hats put us together or what, we put this report together where I I combined my skills as a military intelligence officer and as a finance guy with Brad's raw WikiLeaks cables and banking uh, documents from Switzerland, and we submitted it up to General James Mattis, to General Ray Odierno, to General Martin Dempsey, to the Senate uh, Armed Services Committee, the Senate Intelligence Committee, the House Intelligence, House Armed Services Committee, everybody you could imagine. And no one did a single thing. Now, an interesting date is on September 11th, 2012, that was when Brad Birkenfeld was paid $104 million to go completely silent. And he didn't speak a word after that. So that was the very same day as Benghazi. And there's a lot of speculation in the intelligence community that Brad Birkenfeld was paid off $104 million by gold that was taken out of the uh, Libyan... Uh, coffers, the Ukrainian coffers. Let me just stop you, Scott. We've got to, we're in into a break here. So let me, uh, let me pick it up on the other side. Whistleblower Scott Bennett. The book is Shell Game, the betrayal and cover up by the U.S. government of the Union Bank of Switzerland terrorist threat finance connection to Booz Allen Hamilton and U.S. Central Command. Back with more right here on the Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Speak a word. This is no place for the naive or the faint hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Scott Bennett is with us. Shell Game, a whistleblowing report. Uh, Booz Allen Hamilton, uh, defense contractor, what else do they do? Well, Booz Allen Hamilton is an old firm back from the 19, late 30s and 40s. They erected IRS and they formed Homeland Security. Uh, they're deep into the intelligence, military contracting realm, all of the government uh, areas of operation. They've got headquarters in Hawaii, which is where Edward Snowden worked with several of my colleagues. They've also got operations in McLean and in uh, uh, northern Virginia, two different parts in, in McLean. And they, in my particular venue, I was brought in to do psychological warfare based on my advertising background and then uh, terrorist finance based on my interagency experience in the Bush administration. And they ran the terrorist finance account out of McDill Air Force Base in Dove Zackheim. The money man at the Pentagon was now in charge of the money uh, of ter- counter-terrorist operations, which I found very ironic, uh, if not laughable, because this guy really is a, is a thief, uh, essentially. And Booz Allen Hamilton was tasked with finding all of the sources, the bank accounts, the money supplies that uh, terrorists from Al-Qaeda and ISIS and every bad guy in between were using from uh, all the Gulf nations and Iran and uh, everywhere in our area of operations. And what I found out was that the law firm Covington & Burling in Washington, D.C., which had a relationship with Booz Allen Hamilton, 
and had also employed Eric Holder and Lanny Brewer, the attorney general, the assistant attorney general. Uh, this big law firm represented Union Bank of Switzerland, HSBC, uh, and a few other banks. And essentially, this law firm that had control over our Justice Department was also working with the Clinton Foundation, was uh, essentially creating this big triad, this big conspiracy where they were protecting the Saudis and enabling them to funnel money to Syria, to uh, ISIS fighters, to Libya, uh, using Qatar, using uh, various Saudi accounts. And Covington and Burling was covering it, and and uh, Booz Allen Hamilton was had given a been given a contract to fight it, and they were all in bed together. And my boss Dove Zakheim, his son Roger Zakheim, worked at the House Armed Services Committee, and I had been sending my reports. I had been going over the heads of my military authority because they were doing nothing, and I went right to the House Armed Services Committee. Well, that was going right to Roger Zakheim. And he was basically hiding these reports and not getting them up the chain of command. You mentioned that he, sorry, he left and went, he left and went to work at Covington and Burling. So there's an incredible, uh, incestuous conspiracy that everybody can, can clearly mark out. You can connect the dots. You're, you can't make this stuff up, but it's there. It's horribly, uh, treasonous against the people of the United States and and Canada, mind you, because you're losing troops as well. Snowden's, uh, the timing of Snowden's uh, whistleblowing and going public, explain the importance of the timing there, because it's not too long after you're uncovering this that he decides to go public. You're right. I mean, he essentially, (laughs) I won't, I won't go too much of my relationship with Snowden on air because uh, that's the big, the big thing the bad guys want to, want to track down and find out about. But Snowden went public after seeing my report bouncing around U.S. Central Command in the military TSSCI channels, on the Sippernet, on the Nippernet. Uh, Snowden saw my report. He recognized Brad Birkenfeld because he had worked in targeting Birkenfeld when he was in Bern, Switzerland. So Edward Snowden was part of the Birkenfeld operation. Edward Snowden saw my name on this report involving Brad Birkenfeld in Swiss banking and uh, um, two months later contacted Laura Patras and Glenn Greenwald and started making the preparations to leave uh, Hawaii and go to China. So there's no doubt that he saw me and he saw uh, Birkenfeld and he realized that, that you know things are only going to get worse if they're doing this to these guys. I need to take this and make it public and do something with it. And Julian Assange had been sending Birkenfeld uh, WikiLeaks cables that detailed the entire State Department, Clinton Foundation, and Hillary Clinton role in financing terrorism and, and hiding uh, Brad Birkenfeld's material and, in fact, prosecuting him to cover this up. And, and that's the greatest crime that I'm, I'm very confident at the end of the day all of these people will be brought into some sort of a – international criminal court hearing because this is this was covered up from 2008 to 2009 that's when they knew about this that's when Birkenfeld brought this together and I worked at the State Department in 2008 and uh, Hillary Clinton the Clinton Foundation Eric Holder Lanny Brewer the the, the uh, law firm Covington and Burling and certain members of the United States Congress in concert with certain military people including General James Mattis of U.S. Central Command, who's now the Secretary of Defense, including Jeff Sessions, including a variety of people now on the Trump uh, Trump team, 
they were all cons- either sorely ignorant and somebody interfered with their mail, or they were sor- sorely cowardly and they refused to do anything about it. Now, I can understand people ig- being ignorant. I can understand things being, uh, you know, lost or, or people not getting it, but I can't accept cowardice and these these people in Congress and the military who swore an oath to the Constitution, they received my report and chose to do nothing. And I know they received it because I got letters back. I got it back from Rand Paul. I got it back from Jim Webb. And they both said, we're, we're not going to touch this. You have to take this to someone else. Well, this isn't like I'm complaining that my shoes aren't the proper sheen or that I'm not getting enough uh, cake on my, my uh, food rations in the Army. I'm an army officer communicating that terrorists are getting money from Swiss banks and no one is stopping them. Right. And it was my job. So I, nobody knows this better than I do. Congressman, general, contact me for details. And they never did. The only people who came to see me were the Washington Post reporters, Tom Hamburger and Michael Isikoff. And they never said a word about this and they never returned my whistleblowing reports that I gave to them. Well, the Washington Post should be sued for treason because they had this material in 2013 and they buried it. And I said it to Michael Hastings as well. And we know what happened to Michael Hastings. The late Michael Hastings, yes. Um, has Has this book been heavily lawyered? There's a lot of lawyers that I've spoken with that I know. I never reveal anything classified. All of the material came to me from Brad Birkenfeld. So essentially they can't classify it because it was outside of a military setting. I was a skilled military officer in this field of practice. So in in my meeting with Birkenfeld and forensically analyzing his documentation, I'm giving an honest forensic analysis from a professional terrorist finance uh, expertise that they can't they can't uh, they can't uh, you know classify it because it's essentially hey look what I discovered and I know this is this is rich with actionable intelligence. And now I'm, I'm presenting it. We set it up uh, to the military commands, to the Senate and the Congress, but no one has touched it. So they can't touch me for it. Uh, and I've been, I've, you know, I've, I've sort of woke up to this whole endless war in military industrial complex. And I've committed myself to continuously uh, bring this to the, the public eye, bring it to new leaders in uh, Congress and uh, forever uh, challenge the powers that be that they need to uh, review all of this material. They need to go back in time and look at Edward Snowden, Brad Birkenfeld, Hillary Clinton, the State Department Counterterrorism Office, uh, Covington and Burling, Dove Zakheim, Roger Zakheim, Booz Allen Hamilton. They need to know get all of this laid out because the American people, if they knew what I knew, would absolutely go into a revolution and be so fear infuriated because their sons and daughters have been killed, have been maimed by by weapons that have been funded by these banks since 2008, 2009. Even before that, Brad brought this stuff in 2006, 2007. But when I discovered it in 2012, I, I instantly I said, Brad, we have to make this public. I, I, I have to make this known to my superiors. And that was September 25th, 2012. Uh, from that day till now, they have not done one interview with me, not one forensic analysis of the bank accounts. The only thing they've done is paid off $104 million to Brad Birkenfeld to make him go silent. And the CIA were deeply entrenched in it because they had been targeting him. 
There's a lot of uh, discussion that Brad, when he was first coming out, uh, was was targeted by uh, CIA and uh, Vanity Fair. Were told to go away from the story, not to publish it. So there's a there's a long list of of funny stuff. And how about for you personally? Attempts on your life? Well, you know, I I entrust myself to God. Nothing has uh, happened that I can't take myself or fight my way out of, and I've got everything sufficiently backed up. So if anything did happen to me, uh, and I'm never suicidal, that's for sure, but if anything did happen to me, there would be a lot more that would come out that uh, Brad and I had had effectively been carefully uh, repositioned, let's say that, with with attorneys as well. Uh, Is there a connection here with the mysterious circumstances surrounding the death of Andrew Breitbart? Uh, there very well could be. You know, this is a this is a large um, a large story that when we originally made it known, I mean, the, the Panama Papers are connected to this because I was in touch with Frederick Obermeyer back in 2014, and I brought all this forward to him. And right after that, I, like about uh, well, shortly after that. Frederick Obermeyer, Brad Birkenfeld were at a Miami conference talking about offshore accounts and such. But a year after I brought this to Obermeyer, guess what he did? Obermeyer got together with some other guys uh, and put together the Panama Papers and called it this great uh, disclosure of Swiss banking and various offshore account stuff. And it and Brad had said, no, 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 that sounds like a CIA operation. So I, I think they've been they've been uh, we were the first ones to bring all this stuff forward. And I think a lot of WikiLeaks, of course, WikiLeaks has done the best job because they've exposed all of the State Department cables uh, from uh, various people that talk about Saudi Arabia and Qatar uh, funding terrorism. DIA, General Flynn at the DIA, the the cables that came out from him talking about Saudi Arabia, uh, Qatar and, and the Gulf Nations wanting to back ISIS. That came out in August of 2012. Well, even, That came out right after we communicated with the military. So all of this stuff started with Brad Birkenfeld and myself filing that initial report on August 1st, 2012. All this Saudi money uh, that went to the Clinton Library and to the Clinton Foundation, uh, Qatar giving a president, uh, a cutter rather, giving President uh, Clinton a million dollars on his birthday, is that is that hush money? Well, it, it is absolutely uh, hush money. It's it's an investment into Hillary Clinton that she would continue to do what she promised to do that she started to do in two thousand and nine, and that was Hillary Clinton got all of this material, uh, saw Brad Birkenfeld conspired with Eric Holder and Lanny Brewer and Covington and Burling and Booz Allen Hamilton and Saudi Arabia conspired to hide Birkenfeld's material. You have to understand, Brad Birkenfeld's 24,000 bank accounts had hundreds of millions of dollars that were being used for drug trafficking, money laundering, as well as tax evasion, but I was interested in the terrorist financing. And Hillary Clinton made that go away and disappear by prosecuting Brad Birkenfeld, and they never investigated any of the bank accounts that he brought. They investigated like 4,000 of them, and the rest just disappeared. They never pursued them, and they did that on purpose. They did it on purpose in exchange for money that the Saudis and the Qataris and the Moroccans and the Bahrainis all promised to pay off Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton for their 
State Department sign-offs and the uh, the Justice Department giving deferred prosecution agreements. So they gave a deferred prosecution agreement to, to Union Bank of Switzerland. Uh, Robert Wolf, chairman of the Americas of Union Bank of Switzerland, became Barack Obama's uh, fi- uh, finance bundler. i got to jump in here again, uh, Scott. We're uh, up against another break. We'll uh, pick it up on the other side. Scott Bennett is the author of Shell Game, a whistleblower's report, and we'll come back and discuss further when The Conspiracy Show continues right after this. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Scott Bennett is with us, 2nd Lieutenant United States Army Reserve, 11th Psychological Operations Battalion to the Department of Defense Inspector General. Booz Allen Hamilton, uh, also another name there, James Clapper, Recently stepped down, head of uh, the NSA, National Security Agency, who, of course, we will recall, testified that the NSA was not monitoring or spying on American citizens. This was another one of Snowden's revelations. And Clapper was uh, employed at Booz Allen Hamilton, was he not? Yeah, he was. All of these high-level people been the NSA or CIA have done the the revolving door, and I saw that in the military too. High-level colonels uh, would retire and go right into Booz Allen Hamilton, and in one sense, it was very sickening because they had only money and profit, and it was a game to them. This 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 wasn't a a bloodbath and a blood fight. Young men are the ones who are getting tore up and killed for the most part. But these high-level officers uh, just just would move around Washington D.C. in a in an endless chain-smoking uh, sort of a you know a, a a pastime, a hobby, working in the industrial complex, and it was all it was all talk, it was all theory. And it was very sad, but that's why I committed myself when I discovered this to be absolutely committed to getting it up and, and publishing it, and never backing down, and I never have. So, what does this mean for your future career? If you have one, well, uh, this is all still in the courts. It's still being processed with the Florida courts and the federal courts. I've sent it to the Trump people, and I keep sending it to numerous members of Congress. Then we've started to walk in and videotape our confrontations with members of Congress, and being very blunt in saying this is a whistleblowing report from a military officer about high-level terrorist financing that involved the Clinton Foundation and the law firm Covington & Burling and several members of Congress, and you are being given service of this and expected to fulfill your oath by investigating this. And we've done it with uh, Mark DeSaulnier of California. We've done it with Catherine Baker of California because I live in California. So we're taking it up a notch and videotaping our, our engagements, and we'll be getting Senator Feinstein very soon. We've already sent countless letters, and there's there's another book called Exhibits on the website, and those are all the letters that went out to all the members of Congress, and it'll show in very plain black and white the service. Now, for me, I've had a very active career so far in, in just articulating and explaining and providing insight to RT. Uh, Russian television has been very documentary-oriented in, in presenting this uh, after President Putin looked at some of this material, you, you may not forget, uh, immediately went into Palmyra and exposed the Turkey terrorist connection to financing these guys. So, you know, there's an argument to be said Putin saw this report and instantly made it part of his uh, counterterrorism strategy. The only ones who haven't have been the United States military and the United States intelligence community because they're invested in this ISIS monstrosity to use them 
to destabilize Assad and destabilize Iran and destabilize right. Russia. Well, and they've th- already destabilized Europe too with it. Uh, the the claim that uh, that that Putin uh, was behind these leaks, uh, to to WikiLeaks, which Julian Assange has denied. Uh, do you have any comment on on that? Yeah, I don't think the Russians had anything to do with it at all. I think that's complete nonsense and propaganda. They've done that because they have to make Russia the boogeyman against the United States. That's their only play left. This country has lost all integrity when it comes to the mainstream media. It's also lost all integrity when it comes to political leaders. That's why Donald Trump cleaned the clock of everybody, because he was the only man's man who stood on the stage and acted like a man. Every other one of these little metrosexual uh, weaklings got up there and just chattered typical establishment claptrap. And the American people, I described it as... The American people have been hunched over a toilet, puking their guts out for the last 15 years from all of the imperial aggression and wars that has been unleashed from George W. Bush to Barack Obama. And finally, Trump, that's the reason they voted him in, not because they loved him, but because they absolutely feared, loathed, and hated Hillary Clinton and knew that she would take us into endless war, if not the final war. And that's why they voted for Donald Trump. So he's allowed them to puke all this stuff out of their system, and they're finally feeling good about themselves. And now you see this congressional act to try and continue this nonsense about Russia being a threat and targeting all the alternative media. I I wouldn't be surprised if your show is on that that illustrious list of – of uh, you know fake media sites that they're trying to say, I'd say that that list of of those media organizations are really the best media organizations that people can pay attention to because they're telling the honest truth. Well, if 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 2016, if there's anything uh, that has come out of you know this unbelievably upside down election cycle, that let's be honest, it has divided no matter which side you're on here. The lie of the mainstream media acting as an honest broker, as the fourth estate is intended to be, to afflict yeah. the comfortable. I mean, that has been laid bare. And now, finally, yeah. we can open our eyes, and uh, we all owe our paranoid friends a beer. Uh, that's for yeah. sure. We'll uh, take a time out, come back with Scott Bennett. Shell Game, a whistleblowing report, when The Conspiracy Show returns. The attention telling the honest... Into the shadows, where the truth often hides... You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Welcome back. In 2011, Second Lieutenant Scott Bennett, Ph.D., U.S. Army Special Operations Officer, Psychological Warfare Analyst, worked in the highest levels of counterterrorism, intelligence, and politics in Washington, D.C., and uh, was a... um, a leading writer and thinker at the uh, State Department Counterterrorism Office, U.S. Special Operations Command, U.S. Special Operations uh, Command, and the George W. Bush ad- in the George W. Bush administration, uh, he was uh, unlawfully imprisoned. He maintains on trumped-up charges by the Obama administration for filing intelligence reports exposing terrorist finance corruption involving the Clinton Foundation, the Muslim Brotherhood, U.S. Central Command, and Booz Allen Hamilton. Uh, He was imprisoned, fought his way out. Uh, How did that happen? Uh, Scott, how did you get out? Well, they charged me with making a false statement on a housing form. And this is the first time in the history of the country that the Civilian Justice Department has been allowed to prosecute a military officer for a military housing form filled out on a military base. That's a military issue that the military 
should have handled, and they never did because the Justice Department stepped in and made it a felony. That way they could prosecute it. They fought, they prosecuted it as 100-1, uh, 18 USC, which is making a false statement to an official government entity as if I had made a false report to a FBI investigator or the IRS or, or something like that. And I thought it was a test, to be honest with you. I thought it was a, it was a test or a joke or, or some, somehow they were testing my resolve to see if I would break under pressure, if I would, you know, uh, crack because I was set to be deployed. I was a, I had a top secret clearance and I, I just couldn't believe this was real. And they prosecuted me with this, uh, nonsense charge and Donna Shalala's nephew. That's the other connection. Donna Shalala who was president of the Clinton Foundation, her nephew was put in to represent me. And that's why I thought there's there's got to be politics involved. This is not a real thing. This guy's there's something funny here. And next thing I know, they put me into a, into a jury trial. The, the guy never represented me at all, never put one piece of paper that I that I had asserting that everything I'd done was was uh, not in violation of the law. And he didn't do a single thing to defend me. And before you know it, I'm I'm charged with making a false statement on a housing form. And they whisked me off to jail. And that's where I've been fighting it ever since. To And the courts have ignored it, ignored it, ignored it. So I've had to go all the way up to the appeal appeals court level to say, you never had jurisdiction. You're, con- you're constitutionally forbidden from charging a military officer with what you've charged me with. And it's, it's a complete perversion of justice. And it's been, that's the miracle. I never quite knew why they were doing this at the time. I knew they didn't like me because I was a solid Republican, conservative, Bush heritage guy. And I was about winning the war. And I'd also published a paper about how tragic, uh, the, the don't ask, don't tell policy, if you changed it, how that was going to inflame the Muslims around the world to be, uh, recruit, recruit new fighters and recruit all sorts of money against us because suddenly we would be painted as this, uh, you know, amoral, you know, army that was trying to violate their lands. Well, the moment after I wrote that report and sent it up to the White House and sent it up to the Pentagon, uh, they sent me an indictment letter. So the, the charge itself is laughable. I'm confident at the end of the day it'll be, it'll be thrown out of court. But the miracle is, had I not been put in prison, I would never have met Brad Birkenfeld. And if I'd never met Brad Birkenfeld, I never would have gotten the documents, the WikiLeaks cables, the bank accounts that all link directly to the Her- to, to uh, the Clinton Foundation and the State Department right. and all these terrorist financings. And that's what we gave to Donald Trump too. We've been in touch with his staff. We said, and many other people have contacted him, radio guys that have done interviews with me and have said to him and his staff, not him personally, but to his staff, you need to know this guy. You need to get this stuff. We've He's been making whistleblowing reports and trying to get it out. It links to Hillary Clinton. And when we started doing that, you'll recall Donald Trump started changing his vocabulary in 2000, in, in July of this past year. He started saying exactly what I wrote in my report that ISIS is financed by the Clinton Foundation, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and everybody in between. All right. And now, I never try and take, I never try and take credit, uh, because it's, I'm not interested in that. Right. I'm interested in winning this war and stopping these corrupt politicians, uh, like Hillary Clinton, like Barack Obama, like Eric Holder and Lanny Brewer. Stop them because the blood cries out from the ground of these soldiers who have been killed 
since 2012 because they've done nothing about these terrorist finance accounts. You wrote this uh, report while you were in, in prison. You, you, you hammered it out on a typewriter and then you smuggled it out. How did that happen? Yep. Uh, I had had some guys who were working at the uh, airport that took the reports, <laughs> smuggled them out of their shirts and got them out and, and used the printing press at the airport to make multiple copies and uh, sent them out to members of Congress from the airport because we were I had several interferences with my mail. I think the CIA were trying to stop everything that came out from the prison. And uh, I had people out. I had people and their families uh, outside of the prison contacting the media. That's the other thing. All the media were contacted about this. They never did a single thing. So it, it is really a wild, crazy story you couldn't make up, but it's, it's, it's all absolutely true. Smuggling reports out of prison, getting them on planes from guys who were prisoners at the airport, getting them to the Congress, uh, getting them to the military. And I know they were getting places because the warden of the prison would come into my, my, uh, bunk area and go through my locker and <laughs> the, the guys around me would say, my God, Scott, you, you've got the warden himself going through your locker. What, what's going on? And it was because somebody high up was saying, how in the hell is this Bennett guy getting these reports out? What is, who is he? What is he doing? Well, he's just an officer that you trained to fight and win a war and he's doing his job. He's fulfilling his oath. He's doing his job well. And at the end of the day, all of you are going to hang. Because it's all in black and white. It's all documented. And if anything ever happened to me, more documents, of course, would come out. But the the, the heart of it is uh, the WikiLeaks cables and the the uh, bank accounts that Brad Brad Birkenfeld brought forth that you know are just now being examined. Uh, and I think uh, in in the spring you're going to have some very interesting uh, turns. You're going to have some of these uh, congressional hearings actually do some prosecuting using our evidence. Uh- I've noticed that many people have taken note that uh, that uh, since being elected, Trump has has backpedaled on uh, wanting to appoint a special prosecutor. Not that that would be up to him. I mean, the, the, the division of powers the, the pre, that's right. not the president's uh, job. That would be right. that would be the attorney general. Uh, and you know, if they get the evidence from the FBI, then that would right. so. Uh, I guess he's 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 trying to play both sides of the of the fence here. He's trying to you know to heal the nation at the same time saying, listen, I'm not I'm not going to do that. But if there's any new evidence, that would be up to the attorney general. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's right. That's right. But and what about a, are you concerned? I mean, what about a pardon? What about a blanket pardon from from Obama? Oh well, Obama certainly could pardon Hillary Clinton and all of her minions, uh, but that wouldn't protect her from civil lawsuits. And we saw them file civil suits against O.J. Simpson, for example, and any of these people who've escaped criminal prosecution. Uh, that's the only thing that a pardon can do is is protect Hillary Clinton uh, and others from criminal prosecution. But there, there are certainly civil lawsuit grounds that people can file for wrongful death, for for filing, uh, you know, getting getting material, getting material from a military intelligence guy that clearly showed that. Uh, that uh, terrorism was being financed through Swiss banks and that there was a conspiracy to hide this information as evidenced by imprisoning Brad Birkenfeld uh, and, and imprisoning Scott Bennett, imprisoning others who were, you know, part of sort of the broader culture, John Kiraku uh, or Kiraku uh, and others. Uh, all of that can be brought into a civil lawsuit and 
right then and there, you you see Hillary Clinton uh, and all of her uh, staff at the Clinton Foundation working. And it, I mean, the evidence is there. The WikiLeaks cables. You see the emails between John Podesta. Stuart Eisenstadt, who is an attorney at Covington and Burling, Lanny Brewer, who's the assistant attorney general, communicating with the Clinton Foundation, Cheryl Mills, uh, Hillary Clinton communicating with all of these people about terrorist financing. That's treason against the United States, and it's not difficult to make that argument in, in court. So I, I think there will be civil suits that will be coming up. Uh, after the criminal, uh, we'll, we'll see what Barack Obama is going to do. We, we don't want to jump the gun and give him the excuse to, to, uh, pardon her. But if he does, that won't make much of a difference because it, it'll, it'll still be carried forth. And of course, the other, the, you know, big elephant in the room is Barack Obama himself is, uh, been, you know, labeled as a, as a traitor to the country and has all sorts of scandals associated with him. And, and there's all sorts of, uh, you know, allegations of his fraudulent, uh, lifestyle in, in, uh, in the White House. So there's a lot of, uh, a whole den of vipers that are associated with this. But I, I try not to get too far afield. But I will also say in, in prison is that's where I learned the most about 9-11. And the false flag attacks that were associated with 9/11. Yeah, well, but that, we'll have to say that for a, for another show. We're we're almost yeah. out of time here, but I I want to. Boy, this is a difficult one. Um, I'm going to ask you, and you may just I don't know how you're going to react, but you know you you gave the report that you, to to Michael Hastings at Rolling Stone magazine. Yeah. About Swiss bank accounts and how they implicated Hillary, and then of course Hastings dies in a, a suspicious auto accident. Uh, do you feel any responsibility for that? Not that I'm saying that you should, but I'm just wondering how that, how do you, I mean, how that weighs on you? Well, you know, if he, if he died in pursuit of the truth and defending the truth, uh, you know, he died a happy man. Uh, life is not about things. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things. It's not about reputation or comforts. Uh, it's about, fighting for truth and speaking truth uh, for the powerless and and the people listening to your show and and starting to become educated in this material. That's why we speak. That's why we write is to empower our fellow citizens who will not live as slaves. They will not live in oppressed jail cells, but they want knowledge to liberate themselves. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So I don't think Michael Hastings uh, died necessarily from uh, our report uh, that Brad Birkenfeld and I created, it certainly was a, a factor, I think, and, and he was being he was beginning to connect the dots and probably uh, he was already being watched and they uh, they they didn't want it getting out. But uh, thank God for Julian Assange and WikiLeaks and thank God for uh, Edward Snowden uh, taking off when he did. And uh, I thank God for Brad Birkenfeld because if I had not met him, and discovered all this material, uh, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have, uh, chinked. It wouldn't have confirmed everything that I was doing at U.S. Central Command. And I thought this right here, the fact that they've hidden you away and all of your material, they've hidden you away and all the bank accounts, they've allowed terrorism to thrive. And that is a treasonable offense. That's an act of treason. So all of this nonsense that the, the, the Congress is trying to put these legislations together to uh, accuse Russia of hacking and accuse Russia of meddling in, in uh, the American affairs, all of that is nonsense. And we're paying the price for it because Europe 
is rising up in a right-wing political backlash because they are not going to tolerate any more of these weaponized migrants that are being ushered into Europe from North Africa and all over the Middle East. It's Pakistan. getting it's getting ready to boil over. Uh, we just had the Prime Minister of Italy step down. Uh, yep. We have the rise of the far right now in Austria. Uh, unintended consequences. Um, Scott Bennett, you're a brave man. I thank you for spending some time with us, and we'll we'll uh, we'll talk again uh, soon. I hope. Happy to. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. All right, Scott. Scott Bennett. Shell game. Military whistleblowing report. All right. Uh, my website is strangeplanet.ca. Strangeplanet.ca. At least I hope it's still up and running. After that discussion. Uh, please say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett, S Y, because I love you, R E double T. And as always, as painful as it sometimes may be, follow the truth. planet.